This call Hello? is being recorded. There you go. What's up? You ready to do this? This call Hello? is being recorded. Don't hang up this time. Welcome to the Home Ice Advantage podcast. My name's Colin. My name's Warren. We're two big Hurricanes fans with the ability to create a podcast, so we figured, why not? Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. This will be the Arthur's Hervé edition of the podcast. Would you, would you like to elaborate on why? Because it's the first podcast. Everybody knows it's it. Oh, my God. Okay. So, I want to start off talking about a simple question. Are we a perennial playoff team? You know, I've seen that in a lot of different places. And to me, like, this is going to sound like kind of blunt and dumb, but like, yeah, it's my third year in the playoffs. I mean, like, that's just uh, that's just magical. Like, at what point in your Hurricanes fandom did you assume we'd be a perennial playoff team? Like, this is the first time we've gotten to experience that. So for me, like, personally, a lot of this is just like, Carmelis is not the best owner. And who would have thought when you spend money and sign guys and, uh, you know, you aren't trading away. Like Jim, I get that Jim Edison's a Hall of Famer, but he also is a madman. So, you know, to me, like, like a lot of them are like, well, what does this mean for the future? And, and what are we doing moving forward? It's like, we're just going to continue to probably be a pretty good hockey team. And we probably have, you know, two or three more years of a, like, legitimate cup window. And then, you know, once an auto deal comes up, that's going to be something. What a, How much credit do you give to the big three, like Tom Dundon, Don Waddell, Rod Brindamore? How much credit do those three deserve? for the turnaround? Um, that's a good question. I think you give Dundon, I'm not going to give like a percentage. I'm just going to give like all um, none. You definitely give Dundon a decent amount of credit. The dude came in and uh, just, I mean, again, he just spent money. Yeah. I mean, you know, I would also say like, he hasn't spent money. I mean, like, I like Tom Dundon, but, like, yeah, I was also well, a, a big fan of John Forsland. about the, the off-ice stuff, but it, it doesn't matter if a fucking orangutan is, uh, is like, calling the games. The Canes are still good. Guess what? Minnesota is much worse than Forsland, and the Canes played better. So there's no correlation there. But if you look at the on ice product, I mean, he's, he wants to build a winning team. He's probably going to pay Dougie seven and a half, eight million dollars. And uh, so he definitely gets some credit for sure. Uh, I think the Rob thing is pretty obvious. Um, he, I, I mean, mean, he every everybody says he's the engine. Everybody from all angles of the organization. The the best praise that I've heard for Rod Brunamore actually came from Tom Dundon. 
he was talking about during the interviewing process, he wasn't really sure, I'm paraphrasing from this point, he wasn't really sure about Rod, because like, he gets that he was like a lifer and a legend, but also he sucked forever. It was a dumpster fire of an organization. So he like, hired him, but he didn't really like know how to feel. And in, in this interview, he was more or less like, yeah, you know, I didn't really, like now I understand that we have to keep him around. So that oh, obviously Rod gets the most. I and honestly then, think there is an argument to make that Rod is the most important person for any organization in the history of the league. Like no. he's been he's been involved in ninety six percent of our playoff games either on the ice Barbie or behind the bench. Literally stopped the Penguins from being relocated three times. Okay, I said the argument could be made. I'm not saying no, much. no. Barlow okay. literally, they were going to move to Penguins. He got drafted. They stayed. He won a cup. He retires because he's hurt all the time. He's getting the crap beat out of him by the NHL in that era. Then they were going to move again, so he came back to draw fans and get people in the building. Then he retired again, and then they were going to file bankruptcy, and then he bought the team. I'm not saying Mario Lemieux isn't impressive. I mean, the man came back from cancer that, and still had like a 100-point a season. That was, that was a reach. That was a reach. Okay, whatever. But I actually, so, I actually have a hot take, like a real hot take. What's the hot take? Don Waddell is a top five GM. I think a lot of people in Atlanta would disagree with you. Since he's come here, let's look at, like, the general robbery. I'm not, like, you also can't take no, 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 a lot no, no. of... I'm saying right now. He took Lindholm. He took what's his name, Hannison. I think there's a pick involved in that trade. And in return, he got Dougie Hamilton. He got Michael Furlan, who was huge. That in 2019, when the Canes made it back in the playoffs, and and the Adam Fox thing, everybody knew he was always going to go to the Rangers. Adam Fox, number one villain. Um, that's right. We will always get on Adam fifth. Fox. Yeah, I think that turned into a fifth round pick. That was robbery. Then you look. I mean, the Victor Rask from the Indian writer literally got. I don't remember the the, the wild team's name. He got fired. Like he got fired because of that trade. Just did it. And I know that I know that Rask is playing better now. Good for him. Like it, it was never an effort thing with someone. He, he wanted it so bad here, but. I mean, being a new writer for Victor Ross is one of the, you know, if, if that's not one of the best trades in franchise history, 11 games of Eric Halla and Lucas Walmart for Vinny Trocek. Oh, my God. The only trade that he hasn't handily won is the, the Shea trade, which you can argue was kind of a reach maybe because of his contract, but it gives you Seattle protection. And I like Shay. That, that's a pessimi- pessimistic view. I think there's more of that. I think Don Waddell has, I mean, he has a much larger role in this this working than people realize. But I will tell you, my favorite part about Don Waddell is I, I don't remember who he's doing an interview with. It might have been, it honestly might have been with the league or it might have been with uh, Adam Gold. I don't remember. But he pretty much told them, like, at the end of the day, it was it was when he didn't have a contract yet because Dunn didn't want to sign anyone a contract. 
And someone was like, well, I mean, what are you going to do if Dundon doesn't offer you a contract? And, like, you know, one day he decides to fire you midseason. And Don just straight up, without hesitation, with such is life, man. I mean, it's hockey. What do you want? <laughs> and it's like, damn. Well, guys get fired, too. I, I get the non-contract thing for a lot of these guys. I really do. But you're also if, – if the Kings next year don't make the playoffs, somebody's getting fired, right? I think there's yeah. a little bit I, – I, so guaranteeing that money is, is, is where I get it because that's what they want is they want the guaranteed money. But, like, Don Waddell – I'd love to – I bet you Don Waddell was fired in the middle of the season when he was in Atlanta. Got to get fired in the middle of the season all the time. Maybe GMs don't, to be fair, but and what's the okay. difference of being fired in March instead of May? I mean, there's and if you're the new GM coming in, a lot. Uh, I guess if you're the departing GM, it doesn't really matter whenever you get fired because if you're fired, it doesn't matter. But So, yeah. last night was also the first time that the Canes have had any real fans in the building. I mean, we've had like somewhere near 2,000 for the past couple of months, and you have been to all the, what, one or two games this season? There are, I was spotty in February. I probably went to half the games in February. And then because um, at first it was like 2,100 people in the building. And I wasn't, I didn't have enough seniority as a season ticket member yet to get in on that wave. And then when they doubled it, I was able to get in. So I've been, I've been to every game since March, but one. Okay. And so last night we had 12,000 fans in the building. By the way, do you know there's a conspiracy theory now saying that the Kings, in fact, let in more than 12,000 people? Yeah. I think part of it, a, a couple of things. Before we go into this, I'd like to kind of break down the experience of actually getting into the building, which was very different. Yeah. Like compared so, to last night, oh, Monday night compared to the rest of the season? Yeah. So the weird thing, the weirdest thing, I didn't realize how good we had it during COVID, where I'd show up 25 minutes before a game. And, uh, you know, roll right up to the uh, – there's that lot in front of the BI, the then there's that yeah. lot to the right. And I think that's all, like, employee, big shot, you know, money. And then there's the that, like, the parking lot over. I'd roll right up into that. There was no line whatsoever to get into any of this. I'm that, actually no fascinated by that because – I didn't get to go to Monday night's game, but I've gone to more than a handful of games this season, and, I mean, it was life was easy. You walked in, you did your stupid little checks in. There, there was no line security. Timeouts, you know, just pandemonium. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so... so I'm sorry. A couple again. cool things that they did. First, they had a whole cornhole thing. They had the Valley Sports thing outside. They have that little southern with the ball, and the, the the bolos or whatever. Cornhole. That's right. This was pretty cool. They have 
a blank space of 16 wins. Yeah, they they did and that so, last season too, apparently. And I got it. So that was pretty cool. The line was atrocious. And I, I've already there's a very real issue. I don't even mean this sarcastically. This is a real issue where if you do the like touch to pay type stuff, the NFC or whatever that's called, yeah. instead of letting them scan, it takes three times as long. And it's not the people. They just touch it, and you see it go like accepted, and then it just sits there. And it sits there, and it sits there. It's outrageous. Well, here's a, did they have more food options? Because earlier in the season, they were charging like $7 what they called chicken tenders, and these things are smaller than McNuggets. So were there better food options for the playoffs? So I didn't eat. There didn't seem to be, like, liquor was still open, beer was still open. They were the most aggressive they've been on the mass since February. Uh, you know, it had gotten pretty, not loose, like you couldn't, take them off the whole game, but you could scratch your nose, eat a chip, put your mask on. At the very beginning, if, you know, if you're, it, was, it was, I mean, the Hawk, right? Like the Hawk is just for a reason. They were about it. And uh, so that, that was back and forth for us. And in terms of the building, you know, it was obviously a lot louder, but and this is what I want to touch on with the conspiracy theory thing. We have a pretty small building comparative to the rest of the league. It's not like the aisle at Barkley, but it's, I think it sits 16 and change, like 16.5 or something like that. So the building looks full. Like it, it, There's legitimately only 4,000 people missing. PNC capacity is reported as 19,770. That's standing room only. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying. What is, it, what is it for hockey? Pull it up what it is. Pull up what it is for hockey. Okay, it's, it's just showing me the COVID stuff. I don't know if it's going to let me. All seats in arena, sure ice hockey. Things. I have to pull it off for Wikipedia. Gross. Anyways. Yeah, it's 18,680. Gosh, I feel like that maybe they, I feel like that's wrong. I was real confident about that 16 number. It's but, from well, the News and Absorber link, so. Oh, uh, well, the News and Disturber. And even if that's true, the building looked full. The idea that they let it. It did look full. Is kind of comical. Because when you, like, when you were sitting in the building, you could tell. Um, you could tell that there was still a ton of space. Yeah, as, as someone who's been to a lot of these COVID games, watching from home, I could still see a lot of the protocols that they had in place before. There was still no one sitting behind the benches or the box, penalty box, or anything yeah, like there's that. There's nobody sitting directly in front of you or behind you. So, yeah. To this day. Yeah. I mean, that was just that was just fascinating. I mean, like, I I want to know what the difference is for the playoffs. Especially yeah, with, so, I mean, almost three times the amount of people who are allowed prior. But it was, um, it was much, obviously, a really good volume level in the building. Um, good game and all that, but 
about, we've actually hit, we, we've officially oversaturated the importance of fans in this market. I feel that's a play that the Hurricanes have been doing since like 03. Like it's just well, part of the marketing at this point. I was about to say, it's it's become a marketing thing to be like, oh, the fans, oh, the fans. And we have really good fans, I'm not, but but the most you can do on any given night is maybe for a couple of shifts, you give a guy or two an extra step, you know? But that's it. That is your full, like if everything goes perfect and they're playing well and it's a tight game, if, let's take, you know, it's funny with the crowd stuff because, I mean, we've had terrible attendance for a long time. And people would tell you, I mean, I would tell you, because we sucked. We were terrible. You remember, I saw uh, I saw a tweet last night that said, you remember when having 12,000 fans in the building was a bad thing? That's funny. It, it, it was 12 reported in the actual. Ugly. And, uh, but, you know, like if you're, when the team sucks, like, they don't have anything to cheer for. Like the fans are bad. Um, I, I just think very overstated at this point. About we have good fans, we get loud. It has minimal impact on the game. So I just want you to know that you and Adam Gold agree on that subject. But we'll move on to the actual game itself. Game Ooh, one, series I one, twenty twenty one Stanley Cup playoffs. I loved the game. I mean, there were definitely misplays. I don't think Ned had as good as a game as people giving him credit for. Jordan did everything. I think Aho had a really good game, but besides that, no one else was like a superstar to me. Yeah, there's a lot in that game. The the big takeaway for me, and this is with more information coming out today, I think we might be in trouble with the Slavin thing. Yeah, I mean, he also played 21 minutes. Like, he had more ice time than any other D-man. So They're saying it's going to be a while for him to work this out. And if Jake Gardner could physically skate, this probably wouldn't be an issue. I mean, if Jake Gardner was just not Jake Gardner, it probably wouldn't be an issue. I think that guy's career, I think that guy, it's funny because he got crushed in Toronto for playing with a hurt back. And I thought he was playing super well early, and then the back stuff flared up. And now, like, he cannot skate. I, I'm watching that last Nashville game, like, of the regular season. I was like, oh, this guy this guy needs rehab. Like, he, he can't I mean, uh, get an NHL level I, right I, now. I, what do I know? <laughs> I don't, I'm not in the NHL, but, like, if you legitimately can't play your position, hey, man, it might be time to be on LTR. Like, sorry, if you can't play the game, don't play the game. I mean, he's got to go out there and try it, though. But the Slavin, they they obviously assume that hurt Slavin is better than their other options. I'm not assuming they think that. And the power play, I thought the first power play looked pretty good even though it didn't score. I thought, yeah, I thought it was just like, well, just a matter of time. Fourth one of the playoffs, we'll get him next time. Not right about that one. They're, they're in an interesting 
they're in an interest. Part of what makes their their issue so big right now is they love being able to, depending on the face-off circle, have Trocek or Stahl take it, right? Which is really powerful. But you also have Natus, who projects to be a center, but is not right now, taking your face-off on the power play. So it's tempting to to drop Trocek or do you drop Stahl and give that up? Do you drop Ajo? Is it is it worth dropping Ajo? Trocheck uh, had a 73 in the circle last night. So I think we can talk about Jordan and Ajo, but Trocheck had a 73 in the dot last night. So well, I'm, I'm just saying, like, what do you do? You're just losing every face-off on your, your PPT unit. That was a genuine mm-hmm. concern. Um... I mean, Jake Bean did not look good. He was responsible Jake for that Bean, one goal. Jake Bean was the only member of the team to be minus. Everyone else was positive, like on the plus or minus. Everyone else was positive or was just a non-factor on the score sheet. He needs probably another 10, 15 pounds of muscle before we'll know if he, he could be a, a yeah. top four guy. He's stuck he in a bad position. Off the puck. He's stuck in a bad position where he can dominate at an, at an AHL level, but he's not. He's not quite in it at the NHL he's level yet. He's literally just caught it between the leagues. Yeah, it's called a tweener. He just needs to be bigger because he's still young. I mean, he played yeah. the least amount of time as any D-man last night. I think he only had like twelve minutes or something. Like it was negligible. Yeah. He was not good. And then I actually feel I've seen the opposite. I've seen a lot of people be like, Oh Ned didn't have that great a game. Oh Ned. You know, but before I mean I don't I don't think he played a bad game, but the team themselves kept pushing stuff out. Like he's the fourth player since O six first uh Ricky goalie to start a series since O six. I mean, okay, cool. Well he's the fourth series he's the fourth goaltender in franchise history to win uh playoff opener. Like, I mean, he he was clumsy. He was definitely shaky. I, I think he'll get past it. Like, I think it's just like this is his first playoff point, start. Is that we see this. This is the – Ned is the kind of guy who wants to play 55, 60 games. And, I, I like, he's got to get on a roll. I think this every other day thing is good for him. Yeah, I mean, um, he still had a nine seventeen save percentage. Like, I'm not. I still think he should start on Wednesday. I think you want to get Peter. I don't want it to be Peter. If I if I have a lot more faith in Ned to carry us than I do with Peter. But at the passing same point, Peter. Big deal. They're the same goalie, but Ned is an elite passer. I mean, we don't. Do you honestly think Reimer will draw in? For the rest of the season, if someone isn't injured, no. Yeah, I think I think if Ned and Peter go through the rest of the season healthy, Grammar's season is done. Yeah, for sure. But I'm saying that Ned and Peter are the same goalie, but Ned is a significantly better puck handler. I mean, yes, but Ned is also like. He is one of the rare goalies that actually wants to p- handle the puck and is good at playing the puck. Normally, it doesn't yeah, happen. They're stuck up at the, the traffic zone. But it, those were the concerns from the game to me. Um, 
Well, I mean, I, Jordan Stahl also, Jordan Stahl is just that it was a complete garbage goal. Talk about a buck, a puck ounce. But hey, a goal's a goal. I'll take it. Just a super effort play. If if Ned letting that goal, I'd have been furious. I mean, isn't the entire history of Jordan's career just the super extra play? He's the guy who puts in the 120% to get what you need. I, I really want to get to probably the two most important things. One, Eric Halla has been steadily building this, like, villain role all year. And, uh, you know, it's interesting with him because what was his issue when he was here, ultimately? Yeah, that that hot start, and it became about a lot of I me mine, right? And yep. uh, and then, you know, he's a guy who cares about his points. Ron Zingle is a guy who cares about his points. That's just not a thing here. Yeah, uh, obviously I think his, he he just didn't fit our system. Like that's it's just he just didn't fit the system. And but I feel like he has, like, I remember a couple times where he went after Trocek, which is random. There's no beef there. I can't help that you were a piece in the fleecing of the Panthers for Trocek. Um, he's been growing into the zone role, and it's funny because he's loving it right now. He's all, I don't know if you saw, but during the, obviously he got booed. Every time he touched the puck, he got booed. And, uh, I think he got shredded in the dot last night too, but I'm not sure. It felt like he got shredded. And he had a fifty three. He actually did. Yeah, whatever. He's ugly. But he uh so he scored the goal and he got booed when he was in the tunnel doing uh the uh post game for uh Valley Sports Tennessee. Yeah, I saw and that. And he started blowing kisses. And, I also uh, saw that. And then he uh so you know, they interviewed him today after practice, and he's like, oh, well, I must be doing something right if they're booing me. And it's like, well, here's classic Eric Holla. It's all about him. Bro, you guys lost. You know, you, you were tied heading into the second, and then you lost by three. That was your game. Like, you, they had to take one game of these two, and that was it. That was their game to take. Do you know, do you know as, a, as a franchise, the Predators are 0-11 when losing the first game of a series? No, because it's a very random stat. I wouldn't know about another team. Well, here's and here's Eric Halla after a, a huge loss, where clearly they and even outside of the score, they got worked. The, the Kings carried play for like forty, forty-five minutes. They really they worked. Did. I mean, we dominated them almost everywhere. I mean, I think we had similar blocks, but like hits, we. We should not out-hit the natural predators. Like, that's not our game. And it is our game. And we did that. Like, we dominated them. Just classic Eric Halla. And, uh, you know, here's him celebrating himself after a playoff loss. And that's why... That's why he didn't play here. That's why the Panthers were not interested. Had a very reasonable contract. And that's why he signed late with Preds. That people... There's not, there's not a lot of room for guys like that anymore in the NHL. 
you have to be much better than he is to be that guy. <laughs> uh, and then I want to talk about another villain who's been a villain for a long time. Philippe Forsberg. <laughs> First off, God, I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Philippe, not Philip, by the way. I'm like seventy percent sure on that. Although it's good because I was definitely about to be like it's it's not Philippe, but actually I'm the more pretty I look at it, sure it probably I'm, is because he's Swedish. Somebody, somebody will fact check us on this. He's Swedish, and I swear I've heard it called because I had the like, oh Philippe. Oh wait, you know what? Time. John Forsman calls him Philippe, so I'm gonna go with Philippe. Yeah. So anyway, he's always had the uh, the 1920s like punk villain mustache. <laughs> so he scores that goal, which was a it was a it was a good move. Ned bit early, but credit to him, you know, whatever. Scores the goal. He gets up and he goes to like punch the glass and get at the fans. You know how they do? Yeah. And there's one cop in the whole building at the glass. On this knucklehead. Like, it wasn't on purpose on his end, but this guy this no, they, was working. He probably couldn't care less about this game. And here's Philippe Forsberg, like, yeah, scored a goal. And, and then, <laughs> so then he got a, uh, Forsberg's mom cuts his hair. That's obvious. Is that not obvious? But he, he like, those two guys, that was their game to win, I think. Because they were hanging, right? When you're the bad team, you have to win the games where you're being outplayed and you're just, you know, like for whatever reason, it's tied. And then instead of the opposite of that, they basically no-showed the last 15 minutes. So what are you seeing for the rest of the series? Like what's your prediction? What's your hot take? So I would like to – I would have projected the Canes to win this in five. Um, See, I was thinking Canes in six. No. So so I think – you win two here, you split at Bridgestone, and then you bring it home and you call it. I think it's possible that when we put them against the ropes, they're gonna they're gonna get one more win out of us. Yeah, and you're gonna it. get that at Bridgestone. You're gonna go zero and two. They're gonna be at home. They're gonna take one. I'm assuming. I mean, again, these are the dreams. So we go two. We go there. We drop game one. We win game two. We come back to PNC to end the series, and they beat us here, and we have to go beat them in Nashville. The amount of Trocheck shirts I'm watching Tampa, Florida play right now. The amount of Trocheck shirts is outrageous. Is Tampa still up? No, they're down. I don't think they were leading at all in this game. Tampa? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said Panthers. It's two one with like ten minutes left. There we go. Anyway, to to finish my my point, it's going to be Preds and or it's going to be Canes in five. The Preds will get one at home. The only fear you have is the power play has been really bad for – it hasn't been really bad. It hasn't been atrocious. It's looked – I'm not, like, I'm not super results-based um, about the power play. Like, if it looks good, it looks good. And it hasn't looked good in a minute. I would say and it hasn't that, been effective in at least three weeks. So that that's like a real issue that I'm worried about. Saros is good. I thought he played pretty. That first goal against that Jordan got, he probably can't give up. But not probably. It was a bad goal. Yeah, that was just a bad goal. But that that game also could have been eight 
eight two. You know, we we were all over them. He had that beautiful save on Trocheck that they ended up turning into a goal anyway. But that's a goal off Trocheck's stick a lot of times. So I think it's in five. I think it's going to get nasty. Uh, you know, I'd like to see more from from Hawk and Paw. Like you're the sandpaper guy. You, you were playing 17 minutes a night on a terrible Anaheim Ducks team. Like I'm not saying he needs to be like a full-on Jesse Bullery's goon, but he's gotta like he's gotta get a little bit more in the, the trenches. He has I he think. had the second most hits in the game. Marlon Nuck was the only one who had more with seven, but he's also no, tied, he's, so he's. He had five. Got to get in there. I don't even mean about fights. Like he's got to be more. He's not a big like after the whistle guy, or hasn't been recently. He can. I would disagree. No, he got in the scuff in this game. No, like I'm saying, there's yeah. more. Is what I'm saying. Okay, 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 okay. Because there's no pocket. Martinook and McGinn are. Who knows how healthy they are. You know, again, you were playing nothing minutes on a bad team. This is why you're here. So, get it done. That's kind of where I'm at with it. Like, know your role. What do you think about Lorenz versus Paquette? I think that's going to be really matchup dependent, honestly. Against against the Preds, I'd rather have Paquette. A hundred percent. Against the Lightning, I'd probably rather have Paquette. I guess the against, Lightning, I'd definitely rather have Lorenz. But nah. why do you need Paquette's extra physical edge against the Lightning? Like because they're bullies. Because they end everything mean, with a turnaround elbow. Yeah, and and he shows up for those know. games too. He wants those games. Of course, he wants those games in the same way that Trocheck would want a Panthers game. Like. He's so, all there for it. And it's not against – like, I want Lorenz against the Panthers. I want him bad against Vegas. I want him bad against the Avalanche. Um, But against Tampa, who can play bully ball, uh, against the Preds, where that's all they have, that's their only move. Um, I want Pocahontas. Play up that Smashville thing, like wow, we get it. Um, yeah. But okay, so what do you think about the rest of the league? Everyone else's matches matchups. So we started with us against the Preds. Do you think we're going to win in thought? What about mm-hmm. Tampa and Florida? Tampa's going to sweep. Really? Yeah. I I, I think Tampa in six. Yeah, I think Tampa I think... five. Tampa four or five. Okay. Uh, what about Pins versus Islanders? So, to be fair, that uh, Pins won, tied that up 1-1. Uh, nice I, watched, I, I watched a lot of the Penguins this year randomly. They're, uh, they're just on national TV a lot. They they actually played the Islanders pretty well in the regular season. And uh, so, I think Pins on six on that one. Oh, super disagree. I think it's going to be the Islanders in five or six. We'll see if uh, Paul Mary keeps playing the way he's been playing. That's, and there's a book out 
two games in. The book is out on Jari. You can get him gloves that high. That's the book. They, I mean, even even the back. I don't remember who scored it, but whoever got a backhand goal tonight, he just roofed it glove side and got it. Now it was it was all world. It was pretty good, but that that's the book on him is glove side high. Okay, so what about the Capitals and Boston? Here's the really interesting thing to me is that both of these teams are clearly at the edge of the window. Like, I mean, they, they have both won cups in recent years. They like they were both historically very good teams, but neither of them are at their highest caliber at the moment. And I on like I honestly think it's a it's a jump ball, but I'm going to give it to the Capitals. I don't know. I haven't watched a lot of that series. I also can't. I just know they have two Russiany goalies for the Capitals. If Craig Anderson keeps playing goal for the Caps, then the Bruins are going to win in six or seven. If they get one of the Russian goalies back, I think one's on COVID protocol and one's hurt. Um, if you get if you get one of those if one of those back then I think it's for the Caps, but Craig Anderson cannot be playing meaningful games for your team, and you're going to be successful. So, okay. So, what you're giving it to Boston, and how many? That one, that one's like a choose your adventure, right? If <laughs> if Craig Anderson's there, I like Boston in six. If Craig Anderson is on the bench, and they have whichever Russian. Um, Here's the playing. thing. Oh, Ovi's. Perhaps the deciding factor in my head of Ovi's also his days are numbered. I mean, like it's not. I don't think he's going to retire in the next two years. But like, you know, he's definitely no longer in his prime. And if he's going to make his last push for a cup, it it either has to be this year or next year. There is no. There's nothing. I think that. he legitimately will play until he breaks the Gretzky goal record if he can. I don't disagree with that. But I mean that's also going to be sooner rather than later. I mean, he's still. I producing. think he might sign. Their window gets thrust back open a bit, and I haven't looked at a bu- everybody's like I'm not really knowledgeable in everybody's like Seattle expansion strategies, but I know that there's some thought that T.J. Oshie, who is from Washington, could end up there, and he's he's like, I mean, I want the hero. He's, like, a good guy. There's a lot of, like, he could end up. That looms large for them. But I I think Ovechkin might sign for, like, five mil. Like, I think there's real – he's never been, like, a super – one of the things that always made him and Crosby pretty cool is that they – I think Crosby's deal is for 8.7887. So if he signs for four or five mil and you're going to get – OV production for that much money, like their windows right back open. I think. I, I don't think the Caps book is going to close as quickly as people think it will. I mean, I, I don't. I can't give them any more than like two, three years at a most. Crosby's cap hit is eight seven. By the way. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. It's eight seven eight seven eight seven. Is it really? It's actually okay. Uh, and then yeah. OB's at 9.5. Yeah. Uh, Which is well below what he he could be making. 
Oh, I mean, I definitely, I think, I think the cool part about them being stars when they were is they were one of the last big stars to give a team a hometown deal. Yeah, that's like the hometown deal is gone. Yeah. Um. So next, moving on to the Leafs and Canadians. Leafs and four. Okay. So if Carey Price plays, maybe five, maybe he steals one. Neither of my like I honestly could give two shits about who runs this series, but part of me really wants. Uh, Don't say it. Toronto to win. No, Toronto to win okay. and get to the second okay. round and then get swept. Only because how insane would it be to see that Steve Dangle video? That Lee Sands React video would be amazing. You know, but another smaller part of me wants the Canadians to win it because I want it for Eric. Like this is this will be Eric's fourth playoff series since. Like 2011. This is the last time we went to the playoffs before we became no. I think it I is. That's right. I'm about to look it up. No. The the Wilds were fringe for a while there. He's definitely been in some playoffs since then. They played the bubble last so. year. Did they? Yeah. I really don't think they did. Oh, wow. They definitely did. Yeah, the Wilds have been... I don't really watch a lot of those teams. Um, okay, so... I lied, yeah. So he actually went to the playoffs 2015 and 2016, 2016, 2017, 2017. Yeah, he went with the Rangers. So he's, he's missed, yeah, he's missed one year out of the past five. Yeah, you're dead wrong on that. Oh, I totally take it back. I'm to, the in Toronto all the way. Favorite. I don't care about Canadian at all. Montreal's in I, I, um, you know, it's funny. I've always pseudo disliked the Leafs because of the way the NHL playoff structure works where you know um, you're always vaguely competing with them for a playoff spot and uh, one of the cool things about the the playoff structure this year is I should really love the Leafs because we're all USA hockey all day and Austin Matthews is the best goal scorer in the world Who's so, playing for a Canadian team? Anyway. So there's always it's been nice to kind of enjoy these teams that I normally would have uh I don't have any meaningful beef with the Penguins, except that they kick our heads in every year, right? So just getting to like kind of enjoy them and and their success doesn't affect me at all has been nice. And where I'm going with this is Steve Dangle in my head has gone from a cartoon character to he's actually like a He's a like. He's a really sympathetic character at this point. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the literally the Toronto Maple Leafs have made Steve Dangle a, a sympathetic character. As I want them to win for him, and that's just mind-boggling. Well, they're not. They're not going to win the cup until, you know, never. I mean, no Canadian team can ever win the cup. I feel like that's been a rule for a good minute now. But I um. I uh, lease in four. If Carey Price is healthy enough, he'll steal one. So five. Okay. So the Oilers against Winnipeg. Oilers in four. Maybe that's another matchup. Connor Hellebuck, USA all day. Um, if he's, they've been playing like dog crap, and uh, yeah, I'm, if I'm he turns it on. 
if they turn it on, Connor Hellebuck will steal a series. He's ruthless. Um, I don't think he but, can turn it on. They've been garbage for like a month now. Like they they got to the last half of the season, gave up on it. I want so very badly. Not, not to mention that David has been killing it. I mean, yeah, that, that would be a very interesting series. The Matthews McDavid Oilers Leafs and all the history there. What a series that would be it would be electric there's so much small market big market there I, I, again it's the best player I, in the world against the best goal scorer in the world the the all the finals on those games are going to be seven five Th- those games are going to be electric so colorado versus st louis uh colorado Colorado five, maybe six, probably five. I think Colorado might just take it all. I think they're gonna sweep them. Yeah, I could see that. I just, I mean, the abs have also, and the, like, it's the abs, man. I, I, I feel a lot of like pride on that team. Losing what's his name uh, to COVID really hurt them. Perron. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like everyone this season. Everyone's had their moments of. I mean, they don't oh, have their number one point getter in the playoffs. That that hurts. I mean, Dallas didn't have no mind. Dallas but I mean, like right now, they don't have the season. I get that, but I'm saying like COVID cost Dallas their season straight up. Yeah, I guess. Okay, yeah. so final matchup in the playoffs: uh, the Golden Knights against the Wild. Wild and seven. Really? Oh my God! Did not expect to see that. Okay. I mean, I was going nights and five, <laughs> and that I I that was before game one. I was saying nights and five. I I think the Wild are good, man. I've watched them. I don't know what it is. I've watched three Vegas games this year one of them against the Wild. And in that game, Cam Talbot, like, I mean, he it's 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 robbery. He should be in jail for what he's doing. I think, like, to me, winning the game you only score one goal in is so big moving forward. Cause I normally think it gives you a lot of momentum, but at the same point, the second Vegas tips one in, it's, it's going to be a lot of pressure off their shoulders. I'm just saying and, you, you're going to have a game where you score one goal, right? And most of the time that results in a loss, and you just want to work as hard as possible to not have too many of those. When you win the ones you get, that's really strong to me. Okay. Plus, there's a lot of – that locker room likes um, – what's his name? The defenseman, the USA defenseman, whose name I forget. Um, that locker room likes Parisi. This is those guys' last ride for sure. Um, I, I, I think I think this series. I wouldn't pick the the Wild in the next round, but I think they're they're good enough, and there's enough belief where this will be. This will be a that that's going to be a round for sure. This is going to be sound super scummy of me, but I really I actually want to change it. I want the Wild to sweep. 
but only so Vegas fans can understand the disappointment of being a hockey fan. Like, in my head, no Vegas fan is a real hockey fan because they've never had to suffer. Like, I, I'm a real fan. That doesn't even really count. Yeah, it does. I mean, last year they suffered. I think Vegas so, fans get a bad rap. I, they're they're good, like a day and smart, a half old, great. and they have never had to. Like, I have. I don't want to tie it back to us being they terrible. Have pain. They, they have to deal with us being terrible. Okay. There's, I mean, there's some hard losses in there. I I would. They lost game know. seven. That's brutal, bro. They've never not been in the playoffs. People in Vegas just think hockey continues into the summer. Like they just think that. Well, that's because it's always the summer there. Okay, I mean that that might be true. I I, I just and I, I'm not, you're not wrong to some degree, but I think there's a lot of like, oh, these Vegas like, good on them, man. Like they they've been there. I'm not saying it's like, I think Vegas is a cool team and like. I don't know. In most games, also, I'm my watching favorite hockey Twitter interaction of all time involves the Vegas Golden Knights. Are you familiar uh, with the no. North Atlanta Thrashers? Oh, so yeah, I'm saying. familiar. Dang. All right, Tampa yeah. just sealed it. Yeah, Tampa just sealed it. Yeah, I'm watching the game right now. Little, little. The uh, if I'm the. Uh, the I really need pa- the Panthers to put a, more of a fight in here. Like I would, I, I would love to waste some energy. Yeah, needed a war bad. It'd be great if just like every game went to quadruple overtime. That'd be amazing. For the record, Minnesota with 13 shots in the first 13 minutes, period one, against the Golden Knights. Oh. I just turned it on. Well, um, I was going to watch the rest of the Tampa game. That's anyway. That, that series, that series has got to be close. Like that series, that, it's going to be much closer than people think it will be. I think. I mean, that that's perhaps your hottest take of the night of of everything you've said. The Wild taking it in seven might be your hottest take of the night. Okay, you got anything else left? I would again like to touch on the Eric Hall thing. I've seen this in a couple of places where there's this like, oh, well, fans are only turning on Hala because they recognize him and he scored the goal. And this, no, that. I feel it, like... it, it's like, hey, man, he came, he had that run, and to their credit, yeah, there are so many people like extend him now. Eric Hala, 50 game or 50 goal scorer, we're, we're going to dominate for the rest of our lives. He didn't fit the I think, I mean, room. you can't take – you have to take back, like, I mean, say our mother. Our mother is not a diehard hockey fan. She just watches games occasionally. She doesn't like Eric Holla because she recognizes his name. I, no. however, knew that Holla was, like, a dipshit when he was here. Like, Holla did not fit no. the locker room. I know for a fact mom hates Eric Holla because he was given Trocek crap a, a couple games ago. That's the I part can, I yeah, think that I, people are missing is that fans take like, like, like Vinny Trocheck is a darling, right? People love Vinny, so he's a classic. When this, when first off, when he when he has the fully coiffed hair comes out for for uh, pregame, no no oh, lid. I was literally mm. about to say Vinny Trocheck and Walmart make me feel like a kid again in a very he's, weird way. Yeah, he he is awesome. 
So that's where a lot of this comes from, is that it didn't go well when he left. He's been, again, a complete scumbag every time we've played him. And uh, so, yeah, they're, he's going to keep getting it. And what's funny is he's going to make it about him because that's what he does. I I actually think you've made perhaps the best argument for Eric Holler as a tool than I've seen anywhere else. I've, I mean, I've thought Eric Holler as a tool, but I haven't found a great way to express it until your argument tonight. I mean, Eric Holler is a tool. There we go. Argument over. There's so much of it, too, where he he's just he's just always been that way when he was here. And so it's funny when you look at it, and it's like, oh, well, why did it work? It worked because he scored, you know, eight goals in 12 games or something. Stupid. And uh, so he was on top of the world. I, I remember okay. specifically rumors of him. He was mad he wasn't getting overtime. Overtime, ice time. It's like, bro, our, our overtime units are pretty good. I want to say it was, uh, I don't remember who it was. It was a Canes reporter forever ago who, like, at the end of one of the write-ups just mentioned you could overhear Holla yelling. And it was like, oh, what the hell is Holla yelling about? Like, Yeah. Uh, I think it's important, something Canes fans could do, again, the, the little ways that that they can kind of infect the game, let him keep making this about him. You know, that's what we want. We want this self-absorbed maniac. Who's a good player, to be sure, but you, you just got to feed into that man. And and he'll, it's going to lead to a dumb penalty. It's going to lead to, you, you don't know where it's going to go, but it's good. he's going to be more focused on the theater of it than he is on I want to say he got a he got a penalty last night for something on Natchez. I could be wrong, but I'm almost positive he got dangerous. Yeah, him and Natchez were drawing all night. Yeah, I know. I mean, they like Tracy, Trip Tracy would not let it go. Ooh, former line mates, former line mates. But okay, I get it. Well, that's a real thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying yeah. it's not true. It's just Trip Tracy, and I love Trip Tracy. I'm not you know I'm not here to talk shit about Trip Tracy. But he will find one point and then write that point into the end of the broadcast. I just feel like he makes these observations, and then when they're right, he just references. I don't know. You know Either way, I mean, right. I'm not, I'm not here to talk shit about Trip Tracy. Are you going to the game Wednesday? Uh, probably not. Unfortunately, get wrecked. I mean, what do you want from me? I got school. I'm kind of nervous about the Wednesday game. You need to score first Wednesday. I don't. I mean, I would have said we need to score first game one. You're better than them, so you that could happen the way that it happened, and that's like a pretty realistic outcome. You you need to be up two goals midway through the second and buzzing from there. You, you need there can be no doubt in this game. Then you're going to go to Bridgestone, and they're going to get one of those because they're a well-paid team yeah. of professionals. But and and the Bridgestone's going to be rocking. But you need to set it up so that you can steal one of those games. Then you're going to bring it home for five, and then it's going to get loose in the RBC Center. So. I, I, I want to finish this with a random theory. I haven't seen anyone talk about this. It's just my theory. So, 
not to get into the politics of it, but Roy Cooper is the governor of North Carolina and a huge Carolina Hurricanes fan. Days before we enter the playoffs, Roy Cooper decides that, in fact, he's going to remove all COVID restrictions for sporting arenas and events like that. And then he also just so happens to be the person who runs the siren when the Canes take the ice for the fourth playoff game of the season. I'm not saying that's a quid pro quo, though, but come on. I have a similar but different theory where uh, – so I don't know if you know this. And, again, this is an apolitical story, but uh, Pat McCrory, the former governor, is going to run for the Richard Burr Senate seat. Yeah. And there's a lot of speculation that Cooper is going to run. going to do it too? Ooh. Which, and then one of the things that comes from that is, um, you know, the CDC mask stuff just – it really did come out of the blue. Like, they were just like, well – we're good now. I mean, if you want to get really conspiratorial, right? You get you've got all the Palestine Israel stuff. You have a really rough jobs report. It, inflation's on the brain. Gas prices are up. Hackers have taken over pipelines, and he just he just hit the button. It was like boom, no more masks. Uh, if you wanted to go that route, but uh, so anyway, like to me, the conspiracy is that he was like, nah, like I'm not giving up this seat because because of this. We're all going to the Canes game. I got y'all. <laughs> As soon as he got the the green light, he was like, yep, done. I was shocked that he didn't have any limitations off it, on it. He was legitimately like, you guys do what you want. And then Don Waddell or Gary Bettman, whoever ended up making the final decision on capacity for the game, made the decision. It had, There's it some had nothing flow. to do with what the state wanted. Yeah. Yeah, air I saw that. I don't. Thing. I don't know how much I believe that they like actually measured the airflow and there's this mathematical equation. Well, doing. there's just like, a I metric. Don't... Like it, it, you don't measure. Like it just is. Like this unit produces X amount per whatever that they want. So for to have this number of people, we want this air current or this metric per person. So you need to have so much of these, you know, engines or whatever AC units. Here's my one hope. I want us to be at full capacity if there's a game seven in the finals. If there's a game seven in the finals and we're not at full capacity, I'm gonna become a fucking mighty ducks fan. Like I don't care. But I'm done. They're gonna they're gonna go maskless soon, I think, if they're gonna open it up. I mean that's finally all league. Canada that all league protocols. I saw well, that saying, like, just find other people in. Yeah, and even that I think Montreal, if it gets to game six, will let you know. I think it was like 11% capacity. Yeah, I thought it was so. something like that. So, All right. Okay. Well, we'll do this again. Yeah, we'll do this the next wild, game. Wild and seven. Oh, my God. Okay. Bye. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to the Home Ice Advantage podcast. Please, please follow, share, send an email to Aunt Betty about this podcast. Let it grow. Let fans interact, you know, the business. Like us, review us, review us, subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Kane's Home Ice. We live tweet, do dumb stuff, you know, podcast. Thanks. Have a good night.